Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the PB and Jam podcast, the sportscast for the people. My name is Paul Barvincheck, and I am joined with my partner, Jerry McCarty, and we are so excited that you're listening to our first ever show. This is a big deal for us, and we hope it is a big deal for you as well. Today, during our first show, Jerry and I will provide you all with a little bit of background and what we hope to accomplish with this podcast, preview the NFL wildcard games this weekend, talk about the upcoming NFL draft, and end our first show with some insight on the beginning of the NBA season. We couldn't be more happy to finally get this project up and running. So without further ado, let's jump into it, shall we? All right. So to be completely honest, besides other than doing a podcast, I really don't know like the main reason why I wanted to do this. It's more just something that I've been wanting to do. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I mean, honestly, I've wanted to do it. I didn't know exactly like what type of podcast or anything I wanted to do it for. So when you, you asked me about it, I thought it was a great idea because it's like, you know, I'm very much an idealist type of person. So when it comes to it, I'm very much like, I don't really like, be as proactive, I guess, in that sense. So when you said, let's do this, I'm like, all right, cool, let's go. And I'm Zen. And I I mean, sports. We are pretty knowledgeable in sports. I think um, both of us do have a pretty good background in terms of sports. Um, We've been around it pretty well our whole lives um, in different ways before we met and then even after now. So, yeah. Right. So I won't speak for Jerry here, but my background in sports is primarily minor league baseball and independent league baseball. So at the age of 15, I illegally worked for an organization (laughs) that I will not name because that could technically get them in trouble because they still work today. If you really wanted to do some digging, I'm sure you could figure it out. But then um, starting uh, my college background at the University of Louisville, I decided to do sport administration, um, interned and worked for three years with the Louisville Bats before finally making the ultimate decision of maybe I don't want to work in sports for the rest of my life. And I think you could talk to this, Jerry, of like there's a difference between working in sports and enjoying sports. Just because you like sports doesn't mean it's the correct career path for you. Honestly, I would agree. Um, it, I, I, I think with any field, it takes a special kind of person to be able to commit to that much uh, commit to that much time and effort into putting into the working in sport. I know for me um, where I like part of my background, I did, I interned within um, the university of Louisville. I worked within their college athletic department um, for two years. Um, So, and for me, like I know I've talked to some people professionally interns as well, that they say like you work in that work behind the scenes in that. And it kind of kills your enjoyment of sport because you're actually working during the game. So for yeah. some, and some people like myself, like I don't mind it. I actually really enjoy it. And it, for me, as of, you know, as of now, it's not killed my love of sport. I think what did it for me was, if I'm counting right here, let me, let me make sure I'm counting correctly. Seven seasons of minor league baseball Jeez. where you have 60-ish home games a year. 
yeah. that that will kill your drive because even and I again no names here but people that I've worked with that were high up in terms of what you would call I guess as much as you can the organizational chart for that an organization left sports completely because a they got burnt out or B, they started having a family and they realized I can't keep working 60, 70 games a year, right. which results in 60, 70 hour work weeks. You know, so. it, I, th- I think it all comes down to like either a mixture of like passion for it just to be able to do it. But also at the same time, if you could find an organization that can kind of either help you with work life ba- work life balance, excuse me. And, like, be able to pretty much help you and give you hours that are very acceptable and very manageable compared to other places. But there's just some jobs where that's not really possible, especially within the sports industry. It's just really, like you said, with minor league baseball and even with professional baseball. I mean, that's, uh, what, 82, 81 games a year? 81, yeah. Yeah, as of now. Um, So that's a lot of games that you're potentially going to be at. So I feel like it takes a special person to be able to work baseball. Um, just because there's no consistent hours, at least with like basketball, I would say in football, like I would say football without knowing is probably the easiest just because like you, especially in NFL, you know, when the game is, it's at one, four 30 or eight every mm-hmm. Sunday, excluding randomly. If you play Thursday or Monday night football, but, but then, you usually know that way ahead of time. Right. But then I also give the counter argument of saying that I would rather almost work games because those were the most enjoyable parts of when I would work for those organizations. Like I wouldn't want to do the NFL just because it's eight games. And then what am I doing for the rest of the year? So it's interesting that I complain about working 60, 70 games, but yet I rather work 60, 70 games than eight games. No, I feel that. I think like for you from knowing you, you like more structure with your life and with consistency with when you're going to be working and when you can like kind of, you know, hang with your girlfriend or, you know, hang with your friends or do something like, like that. And for like baseball specifically, you can't really get that because you get games that, you know, one, four, seven, eight, whatever, like there's no consistency and it's just so many games. And when you get in the middle of a 10 game homestand, it's, it's hell, you know? So And, and not only that, it's that these games one, even regular nine inning games can go can range anywhere from two and a half hours to three and a half hours, which is quite a range because yeah. baseball there is no clock. But then I would remember at these killer games where they would go 14, 15, 16 innings, and you're there at like midnight and you can't leave because there's still people in yeah. the stadium. So that I- that too gets to you after a while. And I know traditional fans hate the the 10th inning start with a runner on second with no outs. But as someone who worked ops for minor league baseball, when they started implementing that rule, I was like, thank goodness. I can agree for what with my experience too with minor league baseball. I, I truthfully enjoyed the experience there. But when those games would last for three and a half, four hours, you're just like, I just want to go home, you know, and I feel like a lot of people there are in the same mold because, like, it's cool to be in a game that might reach 15, 13, 14 innings. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, dang, I got to work tomorrow. It's like, you know, I'd like to sleep tonight. Right. <laughs> so it's just, it's a weird balance. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's why I appreciate, ba- like, basketball and football a lot more because 
you know how long those games are going to go. And right. barring, barring insane overtimes and things like that, like you mentioned with extra innings, but you have a good idea how long those games are going to be. Right. One thing that's interesting, though, is that even though I worked in sports, kind of got tired of working in sports, there is one thing that I never got tired of, and that is talking about sports with other people. Um, <laughs> you can attest to this the one year that we worked together um, on our breaks it conversation would be 90% talking about sports or debating sports. I know one year there were, it was like the, the last dance in terms of how many times we debated who was better, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. It was like 10 different times throughout the year. You could have made a documentary out of the amount of times that we talked about it. Right. So that's, I think another reason I want to do this podcast is because I enjoy talking about sports, but I feel like I've also I've had some really good takes about sports and a couple You've had of some examples. bad ones too though. Yes. I was gonna get there. I won't I won't be <laughs> I'm not Stephen A over here. But like a couple of good takes that I've had is um I didn't know you when I made this one, but like I remember watching Lamar Jackson after his freshman year bowl game against uh Texas AM. I was like, this man's gonna win the Heisman. If he plays like this, he's going to win the Heisman. And everyone's like, who is Lamar Jackson? Like, they didn't know who he was. Right. I'm like, just watch. He's he's going to win the Heisman. And he absolutely came out. And then this one you can attest to of, I think I was one of the first, definitely before any national person came out, it was like, I would pick Joe Burrow over Tua. And everyone was like, what? Why would you do that? And then I, ultimately I it became very clear of like oh yeah joe burrow over tua and even though burrow got hurt his rookie year after looking at tua it's like that's a pretty you know at least at least now it's a clear distinction but oh yeah you're Uh, you're definitely right in terms of me having bad predictions as well too so i think this is a good place for these takes to live and for maybe hopefully to go back in a year two years five years and look at this and was like hey i was dead on or Holy crap, that was terrible. <laughs> I remember um, the Joe Burrow take is completely accurate because I remember we had talks about, you know, should the Bengals, if because they were bad, you know, and we're both Cincinnati Bengals fans at heart, but um, would it be smart for them to take someone else and then take Joe Burrow in the second round? And that was like week four, week three, and then he went off. Because I remember feeling nervous about Justin Herbert very early on. That was probably one of my worst takes, personally. Um, another, I will say, um, this is before I knew you. One of my absolute worst takes is actually in high school. I wrote a paper about Ben Simmons, and said Ben Simmons is the most overrated prospect to ever come into the M- NBA draft. Saying him, hate him because he can't shoot, but I, I think that will cut disproven pretty quickly based on how he's performed, and especially with how the Sixers are playing this season. But I know we'll talk. Little NBA later, but yeah. for now, uh, yeah, that's probably my worst take as of now. No, I, I was right on board with you with the Sixers. I don't know if I even discussed this with you, but I was like, the 76ers are going to be one of the most overrated teams, and now I think, if I remember correctly, they are first in the Eastern Conference with Dr. Uh, I, I will check that right now, but yeah. Um, you didn't really go what, – what are some of the bad takes that you can think of off the top of your head that you've personally had? Bad takes. Um, well – not that this was a bad take, but I think it's a take that should live on is with <laughs> me and the University of Cincinnati. 
um, saying when Desmond Howard at the beginning of the year, or was it Desmond Howard? Who was it? I can't I remember. Believe it, I believe it was Desmond Howard, but I'm not positive. Someone, someone the picked at the beginning of the year, the University of Cincinnati to make the college football playoff. And I was like, if they do that, I will shave my head. And yeah, I, it's funny. I, I, I gave bragging rights saying, look, look, I'm going to be the one to shave your head if this happens. Like I was, I've been a big Cincinnati Bearcat fan all season. And like, even your girlfriend was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to live with them if you do this. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's a sacrifice that I'm willing to take, to be honest. So it was a fun year for college football just because of this. And I tried to play it off on Twitter of like, oh, it's the point of that a group of five will never make it. But to be completely honest, when I made that tweet, I was like, there's no way UC is going to go undefeated. Like, they're not that good. Like, I've heard the story before. So that was a pretty bad take. Um, they played really well. Pretty um, good. Had a, really, had a really good shot to win the uh, Peach Bowl against Georgia, but it just did not quite pan out for them. Right. So... I'm sure I've made tons. Another one I made with Alex is when the Steelers were whatever and O that I was like, the Steelers are a legitimate football team and that they are the best team in the league. Really? I've gotten, gotten, well, and my logic with that is that I've gotten burned by the Pittsburgh Steelers so many times in my 23-year-old life (laughs) that I was like, all right, well, I'll just go with them. And then the one time I decided to kind of put a little faith in them, um, Juju decided to dance on logos and um, get lit up by Von Bell. And also they lost to the football team prior to that. So I, it's like I was wrong, but I'm kind of glad I was wrong at the same time. So <laughs> I've been like, uh, I've told a few people uh, close to me that um, I felt that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were the worst. Were they 10 and 0, 11 and 0? How many wins? I think 11 and 0. 11, they were the worst 11 and 0 team the NFL has ever seen. It was one thing I, I told somebody. And I think I got one weird look, and then someone agreed with me. And so, I don't yeah. know if that's I don't know if that's accurate or not, but you know, the Steelers well, in general, I'm not sure about going into the playoffs. But the last you know. team that started, I think, eleven and zero and then lost three straight games was the New Orleans Saints the years they won the Super Bowl. That's crazy. They so were, yeah. maybe it'll pan out for them. Right. I hope not. And, and, and just, okay, <laughs> let me put this into uh, context too, just in case anyone doesn't realize. We are um, Cincinnati everything. Well, maybe not Jerry Cincinnati everything, but I am Cincinnati everything. We are University of Louisville everything. So we'll try to put bias aside there, but it might be difficult at times. So, yes, I sincerely hope that the Pittsburgh Steelers do not win the Super Bowl. Honestly, if they do, good for them because they have a very, I think, a very tough pathway to the Super Bowl if they manage to. No, I don't want them to win anything. I don't either. But the fact that I have to watch a game that's Pittsburgh Steelers versus Cleveland Browns and one of them has to win, like this is very like disappointing for me because I don't want either of them to win. So (laughs) it's just funny. Yeah. I. So what game? What what channel is that game? Is the history channel because it's the last time the Browns made the you know playoffs feels like ancient history because they have what they have games on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, Freeform, and Nickelodeon. Like, yeah, (laughs) well, this this game's gonna end up being on National Geographic actually, they're gonna make a whole documentary about it (laughs) because of the what potentially is gonna happen here with Cleveland. You never know, but um. 
Speaking of the NFL, uh, I think it's a good time we could kind of start talking about the wildcard games that are happening this weekend. Um, yes. A lot of great games. I'm very excited. Um, may have to borrow your season pass because I don't have it currently, but. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, it actually doesn't matter at this point because you can get them all. They're technically all blackout games because you can Are they get really? them local. Well, yeah, because you can get all the games locally. Sadly, I don't have cable, but, you know. Yeah. So. Well, that's why you just go out there and buy an antenna. Nine bucks, I think, at Target. Is it really? Yeah, they're, they're not expensive. All right, we'll, like, we'll, have, to, yeah. we'll have to talk after this, because I was planning on going to <laughs> Best Buy anyway, because <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that. No, I don't think you can get Nickelodeon over your antenna. Oh, well, I, I don't know how I'm going to survive <laughs> off that. Man. I mean, I'm. this is a travesty. All right. So I guess we'll go ahead and we'll jump right into that then. Um, the first game we have is the Indianapolis Colts versus the Buffalo Bills. Some key stats or things that we have decided to come up with here is that the Bills have won six straight and they've won nine out of their last ten. And Josh Allen has became a legitimate MVP threat with the addition of Stefan Diggs on that offense. And I guess my question to you, Jerry is do you think um, that this season for the Colts, even as a seven seed, do you think it's do or die with the age of Phillip Rivers at quarterback? I think this is either going to be Phillip Rivers is going to emerge as the Hall of Famer that he's going to end up being. Like we're going to see his signature year. This is going to be a signature season. Or I think it'll be a swan song. Like I think this will be the last potential time Phillip Rivers makes a run at a Super Bowl or even makes a run at a playoff run because we, I mean, he's not really been able to for the, his last few seasons with the chargers. Cause um, he never, he's made what one AFC championship game. Yes. Yeah. And those, and, and like, to be honest with you, those chargers teams were really good football teams. I mean, a lot of the Danian Tomlinson was his running back. And I mean, that's a hall of famer as it is. Uh, I don't, I can't think of the top of my head. A lot of those players that they had on those teams. Um, but I mean, he's been on some great teams. They just, you know, New England has been the best team for the in the AFC for so long that this year just feels like a fever dream almost that they're not in the playoffs. Right. And with Phillip Rivers, it, it but it really does feel like it's almost do or die for the Colts. Because yeah. if Phillip Rivers has a bad outing and A decides to retire, or B decides to go somewhere else, you know, the options at quarterback for the Colts are scarce at best in terms of people that you can say you can win now with the only options that I can think off of the top of my head that are feasible for veteran quarterbacks is either Carson Wentz because um, he had yeah. Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator in Philadelphia the one year that um, Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl even though Wentz was hurt and then two and Colts fans if they're listening, would kill me for this, is Jameis Winston. <laughs> like, but seriously, who else could you think of that can lead the Colts? A veteran? Like um, a veteran quarterback that could realistically lead the Colts. And and there's I, pressure. There's pressure with the Colts because they have good players around them, but if they don't have a quarterback, I forgot Jacoby Brissett, but I don't think Jacoby I, Brissett is, is going to be anything special. I honestly really like Jacoby Brissett a lot more than probably most people do. Um, 
to be honest with you, it's it's really, really hard if you're going to look for a veteran quarterback. I feel like you either have to go with a veteran or in the offseason, you're going to have to reevaluate and say, do we need to get a young guy? Do we need to trade for a guy like Sam Darnold? Do we need to you know, do we need to make a trade for one of the quarterbacks in like you mentioned Jameis in yeah. New Orleans? Or do you look in the NFL draft and see what you can do? So quarterbacks are really hard position to get like gauge. And they I mean, Jacoby Brissett's a pretty he's a good backup, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you could also make a phone call to the Los Angeles Chargers and maybe give Tyrod Taylor a shot. I don't know. Like there's a lot of like potential players that you could start, but is there a guy like Philip Rivers last season that you could just sign and plug, like be a plug and play quarterback? I don't really know if there is a guy out there anymore. Cause a lot of those guys that would be older or retired or mm-hmm. they're set on a new team. So it, your options right. are pretty much take a chance on a young guy like Dwayne Haskins, Josh Rosen. Honestly, the potential best bet for a, a, a veteran quarterback might be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it could be if, if Fitzpatrick still wants to play. And you mentioned about the, the NFL draft too. The problem is all those guys that were maybe m- late first round picks, such as Kyle Trask and maybe Zach, especially Zach Wilson, they've kind of talked themselves up the board to the point where with the Colts, they're what are, what are they going to have available when they make their first selection? I think their first selection. Quarterback? I think Kyle Trask will be available at their selection. They're going to be picking like what early twenties, probably unless they make a playoff run, they'll be late late twenties, maybe thirties. Um, I think Mac Jones might be in play for the Colts if he declares. Um, but I mean, I don't see them unless they trade up. I do not see a scenario where they're going to get. They're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. He's going to play for Jacksonville. Um, so your options, if you want like an elite. Um, high-profile talent are Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, and I don't see a scenario where, unless they trade a lot of draft picks, I don't think they're going to be able to get up and move up and get one of those guys. So yeah. you're probably looking at Trask, Mac Jones, maybe another prospect. And the and the thing is, does Mac Jones win you games more than Jameis Winston or um, Carson Wentz does? And I, I don't I think, think I think the answer is no. It depends on the type of quarterback you like. Um, I if you want a game, if you're looking for a game manager, if you're looking for someone who's going to, you know, what you're going to get with them, I think Mac Jones could be your guy. If you're looking for a guy who's going to come out and potentially throw for forty touchdowns, and you know, be a high prof- profile like quarterback, your guy is going to be someone like Jameis or Ryan Fitzpatrick that may throw a ton of touchdowns, but they may throw a ton of picks too. So. Um, but honestly, I actually pulled up the uh, the QB prospects. This draft class for quarterbacks is very interesting because you have some pretty spicy players late. Um, like, you know, your boy Tanner Morgan um, <laughs> is on here. You got Jamie Newman from Georgia who played for Wake Forest is a really good quarterback. And Brock Purdy from Iowa State. So there's some good college quarterbacks here, but are they elite NFL talent? Not really, but no, they could become something. All right. So who do you have? Do you have Buffalo or do you have Indy? Well, you'll be talking about the Colts uh, here. I, I think the Bills might be my pick to win the AFC. Um, I really like Josh Allen. I think Stephon Diggs might be the best offensive player in the NFL. Um, their defense is solid all around. I think the Bills win, and I don't think they have a problem. I don't think they have any trouble. 
Yeah, I, I have think? to agree with you there. I and, and the thing is, like, the Colts are kind of my backup team, yeah. but just the, the Bills are on a roll, and I can't wait to be recording the next podcast talking about how the Colts absolutely curb stomp the Bills now that we've both agreed that Buffalo has, will easily take care of this game. So that would be fun. We Make sure to tune oh, into the next episode so we can I, make our first walk back. I kind of hope that happens because, like, we're going to, like, make a compilation of our bad takes. We should at least. <laughs> and if that's the first one within, like, 20 minutes, it would be perfect. It would be great. All right. So then the second game in the three-game Saturday slate is the Rams versus Seahawks, a divisional game, one of two divisional games in this wildcard weekend. In their um, two-game season series, they split it where the home team won each game. In Week 10, the Rams won 23-16. Russell Wilson had 248 yards, but no touchdowns and two picks, where Goff had 302 yards but kept it clean with zero interceptions. And then in Week 16, the Seahawks won by double digits, 20-9, with Russell Wilson having two total touchdowns, one in the air, one on the ground. And Goff had 234 yards with, once again, no touchdowns, but this time with a pick. This is an interesting matchup because both of these teams have quarterbacks who have made the Super Bowl and, in the case of Seattle, have won the Super Bowl. So I I could see this game being very interesting, and it's kind of a game that I feel has gone under the radar for being mm-hmm. a digital matchup. I think it could go either way. Um the Rams are – I don't think – Jared Goff, even though he plays in Los Angeles, which I would think is a high-profile city for an athlete, um, I think he flies so under the radar for some reason. But I think he's a great player. He's really struggled against Seattle, though. Like, you, know, you briefly hit on it. Um, he's not throwing a touchdown in either matchup this season, but he's thrown for a lot of volume and yards. Um, so – I don't know how this game is going to go because Russell Wilson has been like Jekyll and Hyde, I think, this season. As a fantasy owner of Russell Wilson, <laughs> who's, he had a great season, but there were games where he would be phenomenal, have four or five touchdowns, and there would be games like you mentioned in Week 10 where he had no touchdowns and two interceptions. So which version of Russell Wilson will we see this week? And also, too, I mean, I did not have any Rams players in my actual fantasy league, but when I play daily fantasy, I would tend to stack Rams receivers. In some yeah. games, I would have phenomenal output, and then other games, I would be like, why did I choose the Cooper Cup um, <laughs> and to, to be my star receiver? And I think that, again, goes back to Jared Goff. And don't forget, Goff has that injury as well that he wasn't able to play Week 17 Right. And um, as well. And I I know it's playoffs and it shouldn't make a difference, but the fact of the matter is that these guys are human. So I think it could make a difference. And the Rams are the home team in this, right? Um I or think no, it's so? the Seahawks. No, it's the Seahawks because they want Seattle. Oh, yeah. that's right. Granted, of course, there's no fans, but also the fact that they have to travel. I I'm I'm gonna have to give it to the Seahawks. I just I, I don't think you doubt Russell Wilson. And even though Jared Goff and Sean McVay have made a Super Bowl run before, it just doesn't feel like it's the same magic that they had that year where everyone talked about that Monday night football game against uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, where it was just this offense that felt unstoppable. It, the if Rams they, have had moments of that, but they have not felt consistently unstoppable. 
I think a key factor for the Rams is going to be if Cam Akers is 100% because he's been injured. And I know Daryl Henderson's been another running. They've, they've, I've, picking a Rams running back in fantasy was a terrible decision for me this year because you never know which one's going to play. And they're all three solid NFL players. They could probably start for most teams. Um, but if Cam Akers plays, I think the Rams will have a better shot. If they're, it'll, I think it, this is going to be a defensive game. I think you're going to see more of a game like you saw week 16 where it was 20 to 9. I think 17 to 6, 20 to 14. I don't I don't think this will be a shootout. I I'm kind of leaning towards Seattle, but um I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams won. So, but you're picking Seattle. I think I will go I think I will go the opposite of you. I want to pick the Seahawks. Uh, we should keep track of who we pick. Oh, we'll well, I pick the Seahawks. You pick the Seahawks? I'm going to pick the Rams yeah. actually. Um, or if I if I said Rams, I meant Seahawks. No, no, I'm going to go – I'm saying I'm going to go the opposite of you. Uh, I'm going to write down actually who we're picking, and we're going to have like records at the end of this and see who actually did better with the pickums for the, the NFL playoffs because, yeah, that, that'll be like a little one of us left supremacy in that. <laughs> All right. So the final game of Saturday that we have are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Washington football team. Tom Brady – uh, he, he doesn't look just like a system quarterback throwing for 40 touchdowns at 43 years of age. I don't think I could throw anything 40 times at the age of 23, so that is quite impressive. And then even though Washington is 7-9, and nine, there's some interesting storylines. Um, first with Alex Smith, undoubtedly, in my opinion, comeback player of the year. Um, he... His team now with the release of uh, Haskins, so that's definitely interesting maybe for their long-term future. And then Ron Rivera, who has gone through a lot in terms of with his uh, cancer treatments to maintain his presence on the sideline all year is incredible, especially for a team that had its moments where you looked at them and you were like, man, this is a terrible team. In the last quarter of the season, they pulled themselves together, maybe not to look like a dominant team, but a team that could maybe surprise someone. They they came back late because the def- because that defensive line is, I think it ranks among the top defensive lines in the NFL. Chase Young is a stud. Uh, you get Deron Payne. Deron Payne's a great football player. Jonathan Allen. Ryan Kerrigan's got a little life left in him. Um, the football team is really, really good up front. I just, for me, it's can they score? Is Antonio Gibson playing? Do you know? Um, I, I think do not he's know. A, I'm, I'm going to look that up real quick. Because um, I think he, he's, I, I love Antonio Gibson as a player. I think he's phenomenal. If he plays, I think he's going to make a big impact. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I look at this game and I think you can't go against Tom Brady in the playoffs like it just feels (laughs) unnatural but then you have to remember back to last year where tennessee who granted now i think gets a little bit more respect than they did at the time went in and brady's last pass as a new england patriot was a pick six so is it you know and i'm not gonna sit here and pretend that a pick six one pick six in a wild card game erases six Super Bowls because that would be completely insane. Yeah. But I will say at 
43, again, it's not that same dominance, nor would I think anyone expect or should realistically expect dominance at 43 years old from Tom Brady. And you got to remember Mike Evans as well. Um, he's mispracticed a lot this week. So it's, yes. if, he, if he plays, which I assume he probably will, but again, will he be at 100%? You know, these things do make a difference. Granted, Tom Brady definitely has the weapons around him. I mean, I was going to say, like, Mike Evans is a game changer, but I'm not as worried about them. Like, he's great, but Chris Godwin's really, really good. Antonio Brown had a great last few weeks of the season. He's looking maybe not like his former self, but he's looking very good. And I'm a big fan of Scotty Miller as a wide receiver. Um, I think with more playing time, he could be really good. And you cannot forget Gronkowski. And that's just the receivers. And I even looked at their running backs. That team has weapons all over the tight. The tight ends that Tampa Bay have are ridiculous with Gronk, uh, OJ Howard, and they have Cameron Brate, if I remember correctly, as well. Uh, yes, they do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they do. So, and you would look at that, and maybe you won't say any three of them are dominant, but you would look at them and you would t- pretty much add that to your team, it, no matter who you are as a fan of what team you are. You would take one of those, any one of those three, and say, They're Yes, good players. I will add you to my team. I, so, and to be honest with Tampa Bay, they have a very, I think, an underrated defense. They have some pretty good players at each level. Um, Devin White, I think, has been solid. I don't know how great he's been, to be honest. I just remember him being a high-profile prospect. Levante David is a very, very good player that I don't think a lot of people look at or take, like, talk about as an off, off-ball linebacker. And then Antoine Winfield Jr. has been a very good young player for them, too. I like Tampa Bay's roster. I think they're in a really good spot going forward if they don't succeed here because they're going to have this short window with Tom Brady, and then I don't know what they'll do after that. But So I know I, I will take Tampa Bay in this game. I don't know how close or how much of a blowout it will be, but I just I can't see Washington winning it. Either, no, but I really want to take the football team for memes. Tom Tom Brady, I feel like Tom Brady was something to prove is dangerous. And while it might not be enough to like will him to a Super Bowl, I think it'll be enough to will him uh in I a think, playoff game against a seven and nine team. I think if Mike Evans plays, the Bucks win no question. I think if he does not play, it'll be a closer game, but still I think Tampa Bay will win. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to Sunday games here. The first one we have. Honestly, I think this is my game of the week. matchup that I'm looking up. Uh, what did you say? Sorry. This is game of the week, I think. Game of this the week? Gonna, oh. I, yeah, best game of the week. <laughs> yeah, so it's Ravens-Titans. And again, we're both University of Louisville graduates. Lamar Jackson, you know, no doubtedly, we love the Cincinnati Bengals, but I was heavily rooting for Lamar Jackson in Week 17, more so than I was rooting for the Bengals. Um I know I, I I I want to say this really quick too. I know on more than one occasion, like you know, with all the Joe Burrow things happening, as a fan of Cincinnati, people were saying, "Oh, he doesn't want to play for you." Blah blah blah. They shouldn't draft him. Blah blah blah. Uh, I on more than one occasion told you, if they don't take Joe Burrow, I'm going to become a Ravens fan for Lamar. And yes, and I, I and got I to keep my fandom, <laughs> <laughs> which is a mate, which is which sounds terrible, but if you've not, you understand, and that's all. I'll leave it at. So in their one matchup this season, the Titans won 
in week 11. Tannehill threw for a shocking, honestly, 259 yards with two touchdowns and a pick. Derrick Henry was his usual monster self with 28 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown. And Lamar struggled again with 186 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And, of course, I feel like there's no need to remind you of the win that the Tennessee Titans had in the 2019-2020 divisional matchup last year where the Titans, once again, shocked a lot of people by making it to the championship game. So this is honestly, I think this is the only question to discuss of does Lamar have to win this game to silence the critics? I think so. Um, I feel like Lamar gets a lot more, um, a lot more critics than most other players. But at the same time, he this is a big game for him, and at the same time, this is a big game for this Ravens defense because you're facing the two thousand yard rusher Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is not a slouch. They're going to run it down your throat, and they're going to make you like it. Can you stop that? At the same time. The Titans, I think, as a defense, is not that strong. Is this actually – to your original question, because I do have a question to ask you as well. Um, I think Lamar does need to win this game. What, what do you think? Do you think he needs this, or do you think it's, it'll be fine either way? No. Obviously, I, you, obviously you want to win, but you know what I mean. I think it depends on what type of legacy he wants to set. If he wants to be – not maybe legacy, but what does he want to be viewed as? Does he want to be viewed as a superstar quarterback who is one of the top three, four, five quarterbacks in the league? Then, yes, he he absolutely has to win this game. And it doesn't matter what offensive weapons he has around him. Maybe that Hollywood Brown is his only legitimate receiver and that Mark uh, Andrews is maybe the only tight end and stuff like that. If he wants, you know, the good the great quarterbacks, they get it done, no matter who they have around him. I mean, just look at Aaron Rodgers recently. Right. So, and that's the thing. If he wants to be put in that conversation, then yes, he has to win this game. And I think he has to, I think he at least has to make it to the AFC championship. But I actually feel in terms of Lamar's long-term legacy, it's not a huge must win because I think they're going to build around him a little bit more. And I don't see Harbaugh going anywhere. No. In Baltimore. I think he's they, got maybe the most job security in the NFL. And what I've learned about Harbaugh is that he will put Lamar in a situation that can help him win. And even though they kind of maybe forgot about that a little bit or maybe wanted to see how far they could get away with it, I don't think they neglect that for very much longer. So I think he'll be in good shape down the road. But he's going to start writing his his destiny and his legacy. And if he loses this game and it's three straight uh, exits in his first playoff game, it's it's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I mean, I think all it takes, in my opinion, to really change the way people talk about you is you win one Super Bowl. And that's, to me, like, as, if you win a championship, that's, like, immortal. So he's got, you, you've got to make a run. You've got to really make a deep run. You've got to make, and maybe win it. They have a team that can do it. Do I think they will? I'm not sure. Um, I really, I hope they win just out of pure bias of Lamar Jackson. But I'm, this is a big game because I feel like either way, they're going to be a very active team in free agency. I think they're, they're going to 
they're going to draft probably offensive talent to put around them. Um, they got a great defense. I you I feel like they're going to be a team that might either trade up or they're probably going to look at a wide receiver in this class that might be worth taking later mm-hmm. on. So who do you have? I want to ask you one thing too about this game. Um, okay. Was this was this the game before Lamar got COVID? Ooh, I'm not a hundred percent sure because he played. He didn't play great. I I remember he missed a week or a week or two, and then came back and he started playing significantly better. Um, I don't know. I would have to look into that. I'm not positive because I was. I just not. I thought about that earlier. Um, I'm picking Baltimore. I think. Um. I think the defense will be able to hold Derrick Henry enough to where he's he's not going to run for 300 yards probably, but he'll, excuse me, he'll have a good game. But um, I think I think their offense is high powered enough, and they'll play they'll play well enough to be able to take home a win. As much as I want Lamar to win this game, I'm going Tennessee. Interesting. Two, they've won the past two straight games. Derrick Henry is a 2,000 yard rusher. Um, and the thing that's interesting about these two teams is that they are very predictable, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Normally, like, you know that with Baltimore, you're going to get dual threat with Lamar. You know with Tennessee, they're going to establish the run, and then they're going to try to build off the pass based off of what they've been able to build with the run. And and when two teams are predictable like that, I like to look at the past results, and the past results show that Tennessee – has done better than Baltimore. Yep. So I'm going to go Tennessee. I hope I'm wrong because I really would like Lamar to get that win, but I, I just think Tennessee is going to pull through. That's yeah. I, I I don't disagree. I think that could go either way. I think we're going to see a great game this weekend for the Ravens Titans. All right. So we just talked about what I think is my most interesting game of the week. I think this is the least interesting game. <laughs> and honestly, I... I don't know how we're going to talk about this for very long. Bears, Saints. Um, I will do my segment in about 20 seconds. Mitchell Trubisky is a very average quarterback at best. Drew Brees, despite having 11 or whatever, how many ribs he had broken and a punctured lung, is a Hall of Famer. And uh, New Orleans is a better football team in pretty much every facet. Um, on the field and coaching and everything. And I don't think this is going to be close. I think New Orleans will blow it out of the water, and that's all I really want to say about this game. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. If Alvin Kamara does not play because he is on the COVID list, I think this might be a good game if, if we see the Drew Brees we have been seeing. Because the Bears' defense is not bad. Any, for one, any defense with Khalil Mack is immediately going to be solid. It doesn't matter though when your offense can't spot you a touchdown. It feels like you're right, but the thing <laughs> is, they. But you're right, and like you know, we we play da- daily fantasy together every week. Um, and I've been burned by picking David Montgomery and then ended up not picking him later on, and him running for 160 yards. Like you know, are they going to be able to run the ball? I don't know, but if they can, they have a shot. Outside of the first like four or five weeks where they went like where they where they were like four and one ish or five and one something like that, like when they started losing, like I never felt like this is a team that can do anything. When yeah. you have to change your quarterback mid season, you're probably not 
not only are you not a contender, you're probably not a playoff team. The, I mean, Miami had the same situation, but that's a little different just because Tua is a rookie. But, like, if you're still trying to figure out Mitchell Trubisky in the fourth year in the NFL, like, that's not good. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, claim or not, I I do think that the Saints probably will end up winning. But if if we do not see Alvin Kamara, I think we're in for a better football game, personally. Um, you just you, you said the Saints, you think, going to take this oh, home? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I will yeah. agree with you. I, I will agree with you. All right, so we've talked about the most exciting game, the least exciting game, and now we're going to finally talk about the game that neither of us want to watch because it'll just propel <laughs> our Bengals fandom into eventual sadness. It's the Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right, Cleveland to... making the playoffs for the first time since 2002. I have one sentence to say about this game. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win. That's all I got. Can it? You know, you you always laugh at me for becoming a fan of soccer. Um, but if the tie game where neither team wins and Kansas City just automatically <laughs> goes to the conference finals, that's honestly fine with me. Honestly, I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> but I, I don't in, know. this it, this could be a good game. In reality, um. This this honestly probably I think will be a very good game. I do um, think so. In their two games this year, they split the series with uh, Pittsburgh winning the uh, first game, and then Cleveland winning last week that week seventeen game where um, they decided to play Mason Rudolph and surprisingly Miles Garrett uh, did not take his helmet off and try to assault someone. <laughs> so um, kudos to him for that. I know that's a little harsh, <laughs> but that's how I it, feel. It had- <laughs> the interesting storyline here is Kevin Stefanski because he's, he's done something that no other coach has done for Cleveland. Like the past 29 million coaches for Cleveland have not done. And that is get the Browns to a playoff game. Yeah. And of course he will not be there because in typical Cleveland fashion, nothing is easy. Look, so, to be honest, to be honest, the main reason I think Pittsburgh is going to win, it, this might be a good game. Maybe, like I, I mentioned this to you earlier when we were texting, I said that he should pull a Hugh Freeze and coach from a hospital bed because <laughs> that legitimately happened. Look that up. That did happen. Um, but I, um, when they were at full, when both teams were at full strength, um, um, Cleveland did not have Nick Chubb. I, did, I had to look it up. I actually forgot to before we started talking about this. Um, the Pittsburgh beat the Browns 38-7. to in yeah. the game where they were both at full strength. Oh, because that, that wasn't week one, but it was real, It was very early in the season. It was, let me go back. I believe it excuse me, was week four. Uh, sorry, week six. Okay. It was week six. And Pittsburgh absolutely smacked them. They did not have Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb is a fantastic player. So it's kind of, you know, does he? But I don't, I personally don't think Nick Chubb makes up 31 points. This is where the experience of Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger will take over. Um, even though these two teams are actually probably, I would say, pretty equal and talent-wise, one has been here, done that, and the other has no idea what to expect. And I think 
you know, I, I typically hate that narrative, but it just, it's so, it stands out so much that you just can't ignore it. And while I would like both of these teams to go to the pit of misery, dilly dilly, um, I think <laughs> that Pittsburgh will win just because of their experience. And two, if the Cleveland Browns win a playoff game, if you thought 2020 was insane, 2021 is 2021 is going to say, hold my beer. You will need to buckle up because I think we will have officially been propelled to another dimension at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, though. I, I think I think Pittsburgh takes this game. All right. So that was very um, good. Thank you for helping me out where, with that, Jerry. I think I feel pretty comfortable with my picks, which is something I normally can't say during NFL wildcard weekend. The games, yeah, while there's six of them, I just feel like they've been diluted a little bit this year. It's weird. I don't. I, there's a weird vibe around the NFL games this season. I don't know why. Um, I don't know if it's just me, but it, it it doesn't feel like there's as much excitement for the playoffs this season. And I, I don't know what it is. It may, maybe it's just me, but yeah, that's how I feel. Yep. So we just talked about all the teams, all 14 teams that are in the playoffs that are fighting for a Super Bowl. And now we'll go ahead and we will transition to the teams that are not in the playoffs, will not have a Super Bowl, but instead will have a special, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A special ceremony of their own to determine who could be the next (laughs) franchise player for them. As a Bengals fan, I'm all too familiar with the ceremony or perpetual sadness in the wild card game. And that, of course, is the NFL draft where... Number one is a lock with the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. I I don't see any scenario where this does not happen. Um, I can't wait to hear all the narratives saying that Jacksonville is a small market and a terrible franchise and that he should not play there um, because we definitely heard it enough with Joe Burrow. Uh, but no, knowing it's going to go, we will hear I mean, nothing about it. No, and it we'll won't move happen. on to the number two pick. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I think – you know, Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, I've been reading a lot on the draft and obviously, you know, drafting prospect. I love the draft. You know, I could sit here and talk about this for another two hours. Um, but, you know, the NFL draft, it's a crap. It, it's a crapshoot. In my opinion, anyone that says they, they know who's going to be really, really good and who's not is lying to you. That's just my opinion. But Trevor Lawrence is, they, I've been, I think, is the best pro- quarterback prospect to come to the NFL since Andrew Luck. See, um, I'm actually going to disagree with you there. Really? In terms of, I don't, and I'm not going to sit here and say who's the better prospect or yada, 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 but everyone's saying that Trevor Lawrence is an absolute slam dunk. Like some people are already, I feel like you're putting him in the Hall of Fame already. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, yes, he's been good. Yes, he's that stereotypical, tall, mobile, now, in, especially in today's game, mobile quarterback that can throw with a good arm and yada, yada, yada. But he played at Clemson. I mean, that's going to give anyone a benefit. And also, too, there have been moments, I feel like, with Trevor Lawrence where he's kind of just, he either, I I don't say this as a necessarily a negative, but he's kind of faded into the background just because he hasn't had to do a lot. Because there's been games where the defense scores and then he hands it off to his running back for 80-yard touchdown, and then he throws a screen pass and it's good for 60 yards, and all of a sudden it's, 
five minutes into the first quarter and you're up 21 nothing against NC State. I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, one one comment that I, I heard you make there was um like he's playing at Clemson, which to me implies that they have a you know one of the best football teams and they're filled with NFL talent, right? So is that accurate to say? I mean, yeah. Well, I I don't like that as a comment, and the reason is because like he's gonna he's going to an NFL team. Jacksonville, while probably one of the worst teams in the NFL, if not the worst at the moment. They still have 53 NFL players on their team, some better right. than others. But just be, I mean, for me, just because like he played at a better college, I don't think that should be a knock on him. Um, right. The fact that he thrived with good talent around him, I think is a good thing to me. Like he's helped some other players get drafted based on like wide receivers, um, especially the running backs, Travis Antien. Uh, I hope I said that correctly. I think he's a great running back too. and He's going to be probably taken on the first round. Um, I mean, he played with our, you know, our boy T Higgins in college as well. Um, would T Higgins be the receiver he is up until the point that he got to the Cincinnati Bengals if it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence? And I don't know. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not sitting here and saying that Trevor Lawrence shouldn't be taken number one overall. I know. I know. He won't be a great, but like to say that, cause like I've had people saying like, he is like Peyton Manning or like better no. than Peyton Manning. And it's just nah. like, and I'm like, okay, like, I, just I don't agree like, with that. I just feel like you're already hyping him up to a point where it's like, if he doesn't win like multiple Super Bowls and make the Pro Bowl 10 times and throw for X amount of touchdowns, he's going to be a failure. And there was actually something that I, I heard from Bomani Jones of like, there, you can be a really good player, you can be a great player, but you don't does not necessarily mean you're going to come out and you're going to be a star. And I think right. that could be my fear with Trevor Lawrence is that everyone's already saying this kid is a superstar, and while he could be have a very good career or a very long career, he may not have that Hall of Fame career. I think he'll be very good. Um, he steps into the Jacksonville team. They have two first round picks, also. Don't don't they have a mid, late first rounder as well? Yes, I think, I think they do. In the twenties. I think yeah, they come in. He's coming into a team that has James Robinson, who has established himself. I think is a pretty good running back um, after going undrafted. Then you get a guy like DJ Chark, who's he did struggle, but would he do better with Trevor Lawrence? So there, that's two strong pieces on that offense that he has. Will they address more of them? Um, I would hope so. But, you know, he it's not like he's walking into a team. Like, imagine walking in. Like, I fear more for the Jets more than the Jacksonville in terms of a quarterback stepping in. Yeah. In terms of just, like, their, their core of um, skill positions. And the draft this year definitely starts at number two with the Jets. Yes. They have a lot of different options. But I feel like it's interesting because I actually feel like Sam Darnold isn't terrible, but I also know that he's not the franchise quarterback. I and think you I think you have to take Justin Fields at two. I agree. I think they're gonna have a lot of wiggle room. Um they can do a lot here. Uh, one thing I would say, uh, I think I wrote down this note as well about Deshaun Watson. I know a lot of there's a lot of talk about him potentially asking for a trade. If I'm the Jets, I call the Texans right now and say, "Look, I'll yeah. give you Darnold. I will give you num- 
I, I will give you the number two pick. I will give you a oh, second yeah. rounder. I'll give you. Yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you picks and Sam Darnold, and you could restart your franchise. Yeah, if I was the New York Jets, I would say, "What do you want?" Is you can have anything and everything. You it, you would you like our would you like MetLife Stadium? Even though we share it with the Giants, sure, it's yours. You can have it because I I feel like anything that the Jets would give for Deshaun Watson would be worth it. But I don't feel like there's a chance in the world that they that they can get it just because outside of outside of the number two pick and Darnold, you kind of look around and you're kind of like, I just, I don't think there's another really big piece that would entice Houston to make that trade. But that's just me. I was reading a little bit um, earlier today um, at work, actually. Um, that Apparently the Texans, I don't remember, I don't have a source for this. Um, so I'd have to look it up again. But um, the, apparently the Texans asking price for Deshaun Watson is including a player, three first rounders, and two second rounders. And if I'm any GM in the league, I say absolutely not. Don't even dare. That's Deshaun Watson's awesome, but that's oof. so. Speaking of number two pick, if the Jets do stand pat with number two, would you take Fields or would you take someone else? I would take Justin Fields. I yeah. And it's just because I look at that, and um, the only other one, they have Mims at receiver, so I don't feel like a receiver makes sense. There's really no dominant defensive player in this draft, not a Miles Garrett type player or Jadavion Clowney type player. Um, offensive tackle would be interesting, but I think with Makai Becton already there, unless you move him the right tackle, I just I don't know. Like, do you really need two franchise tackles when you don't have a quarterback? So and I don't I don't know a lot about the Jets. I I do not. I fully admit that. Um, I believe they signed George Fance, who is currently their right tackle to an extension. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know if he can play guard. I don't know anything about this this athlete, but. I don't know if tackle is the right call. I mean, Sewell is probably a very good talent, but I, I mean, I think Justin Fields made himself a lot of money just by his performance in the college football playoff. Right. Yeah. And I just, I, I can't, I can't see you going what, you know, they were 0 and 13 and then they won two, and they've won a couple games to finish out their season. I just can't see the Jets saying, Nah, we're gonna pass on a quarterback. That's fine. We'll we'll take an offensive tackle. I feel like their fans would eat them alive if they did. I that. think, I think you commit to Darnold or you trade him before the draft. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you make that clear. And I mean, if they do commit to Darnold, is that the worst option in the world? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, depending on who they hire as their head coach, it may come down to it. I don't. I think. I think Darnold deserves. If he's not going to remain a Jet for the next season, I think he deserves a fresh start somewhere else, maybe somewhere like Indianapolis, San Francisco, somewhere like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, if I'm one of those teams, send them a second-round pick and just move on. And then, right. you, you know, it may not work out, but you didn't – I mean, it is what it is. And if I'm the Jets, I would take that. Just select fields. You have a pick in the 20s. I think that would give you three second-round picks. You have a lot of leverage to move up again if you want to in the first. You know, you can – you could do a lot with that if you want to get another elite talent or if you just want to stand pat and select some players. Right. 
So moving on to number three, if there was one team that I feel like has the capital and the need and the ability to trade for Deshaun Watson, it might be the Miami Dolphins. That would be spicy. I would be intrigued to see if that's what they do because they do have a lot of picks. The fact that they're sitting here after trading Laramie Tunsil away is incredible because it's just funny that the Texans gave up their – Bill O'Brien with the Texans gave up their whole life just to have it add a tackle and now they're reaping the benefits of picking third in a draft where they, they were not a terrible team this season. No, but no, I mean, they, until they got thwomped by Buffalo in the last week of the season, they were in line right. for a playoff spot. And that honestly, probably, it's interesting because with, with Tua and then with Fitzpatrick, do you have a long-term answer at quarterback? Maybe, maybe not. But it becomes interesting with who Miami would maybe take at number three. And that's why I would say, if you would trade Tua, the third pick, of the future first, your seconds that you have this year, you could start to build a package where I think, honestly, you could maybe get Deshaun Watson and you're going to need a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, where all of a sudden, not saying that the Bills are the next New England Patriots in terms of dynasty, but the Bills have themselves pretty well set up in that division. The Bills are a good team. I think I, I said, touched on this earlier. I think the Bills are my pick to win the AFC. I think they'll be the Chiefs. Um, They've got the whole package in terms of they, – they don't have a great, great running backs, but they have really good ones. They have great receivers. Josh Allen has played incredibly. Um, Cole Beasley, who would have thought Cole Beasley would have been, like, a really good player, in, like, this good in the NFL after mm-hmm. his career with the Cowboys? I never would have thought he would have been playing, like, an all-pro player. Never in my wildest dreams, and I love it for him. It's crazy. Right. So going back to the third pick then – I've heard some people say you take Zach Wilson maybe at three. I I don't know. I just don't I, think you could take a quarterback, especially I when think, in our in our mock that we're kind of doing here, you have two the, the top two quarterbacks off the board. Now, if Justin Fields is available at three, that might change the story a little bit. But I think if you take a quarterback, you're admitting you, like that's admitting as a coach and a GM that admits you made a mistake. And you may be wrong about two, but I don't think it's smart. Like, he's not played enough games to where you can about. I feel like you can fully evaluate him as a player. He was, wasn't he like rehabbing most of the last offseason and yeah. on top of the pandemic that we've been experiencing? Yep. Give him a full offseason to work with his wide receivers, to work with, you know, to get some better in game planning, to get better with scheme. Give him an offseason to kind of, learn and get better sync with his team if at that point and after year two you're kind of scratching your head a little bit maybe start to look at other quarterbacks if a player falls into your lap in the draft but they were almost a playoff team i don't think you give up on a young quarterback in who's only played seven eight games maybe now after that and especially if there's not a guy that's like jumping off the page at you and zach wilson's intriguing um if if it follows our mock here. Maybe you consider fields a little bit. If I'm the dolphins, you have a lot of leverage here. I would trade down to a team. That's going to probably want a quarterback. And you read my mind there. I I just don't know if there's a natural fit at three for the dolphins, to be completely honest with you. So if I'm the dolphins 
and and they have shown that they are willing to do this, trade down again. Yeah. And and get as many picks as you can. The more picks you have, like you said, it's a crapshoot. So the more the more opportunities you have to pick someone, the odds are you're probably gonna pick someone that's good. Right. I think I mean if if we're gonna make them stand pat and pick a player, I think Sewell is like the most pick. Um I don't I don't you could go wide receiver because I think there's some very, very good ones. Um, but I feel like you could get that later. And especially in a class like this, you, they have another first. You could grab a, someone else later on. Um, if they're not going to trade it, I say take Sewell and move on. I would agree with you there. The only other player I could see if they were to stand at three is maybe Jamar Chase, just because outside of Devontae Parker, their receiver corpse is not, Maybe it's it's not bad, but it's not a well-named receiving corpse. Of it's tough to identify receivers that play yes. for the Dolphins. So I could see them saying, "Let's take Jamar Chase." Maybe maybe the Heisman winner Devonta Smith is all of a sudden you know thrusted into that number three spot. But I I have to agree with you when you have a chance to take a generational or a someone that's deemed a generational offensive line talent, you typically will see that go pretty high. And I think they would pick Sewell there. I, I think that's the safest play. And if you're Miami, I don't think that's a bad thing. I know a lot of there's a lot of players that kind of jump off the page in terms of their talent, in terms of their ability. Like Jamar, I love Jamar Chase. This man had 1,700 yards at 19 years old with Joe Burrow. Um, I I think he's going to be a game changer. But you got to protect your you got to protect your franchise. And let's like I said, if you're you got to buy into Tua. And maybe two of flops, and that's okay if he does. But for right now, you need to build around him. You need mm-hmm. to keep him healthy. You need to keep and maybe take a weapon later on because I do think this receiver class looks on paper to be very, very strong. Um, so a few a few examples of guys kind of late. You got Rondell Moore out of Purdue, um, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Um, some guys that'll probably be there in the twenties that you'd be able to select. Mm-hmm. So moving on to number four, the Atlanta Falcons, another one of those wild card picks that I feel like could go in a multitude of different directions. So much so that I've kind of got to the point where I don't even want to pick a guy just because I'm not sure what they would do. But I think it would be very intriguing that they could also go quarterback, even though the immediate need isn't there with the firing of their head coach, uh, Quinn. And Matt Ryan is not getting any younger. Could a guy that's climbed up the board like Zach Wilson maybe be a potential option for the Falcons at four? You know, we talked earlier about teams that may need to look like free agency or somewhere for a quarterback. I completely forgot that they might take that the Falcons might take a quarterback and like, what if they traded Matt Ryan? How crazy would that be? And, and, and here's the we're committing to Zach Wilson now. That's yeah. wild. Because the thing with Atlanta is they're not in the same boat as Indy, obviously, of like that they might try to go after a veteran. They're either going to keep Matt Ryan or they're going to go with a rookie. So it would be, you know, it's one of the two. You're not going out there trying to get Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold, I feel like, because why waste money on quarterbacks that aren't going to propel your team to, you know, they might get you a win or two more, but they're not going to propel you to top tier NFL team probably. And here's the problem with where they're selecting. Miami has so much leverage that there's three quarterbacks. Like teams overdraft quarterbacks all the time. 
I, is Zach Wilson a top five talent? I have no idea. But teams will pick him. He's a player that some teams would pick top three just so they have their quarterback in place and they don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Miami could trade down and someone could jump Atlanta and they're forced to not pick a quarterback because, I mean, are you going to take Mac, Mac Jones at four? No. I don't think so. No. I mean, I don't, I don't think you take Trey Lance there just because. Um, oh, I forgot about Trey Lance. I'm not very high on Trey Lance personally, because, but I wasn't high on Josh Allen either. So, you know, I don't know if I'm the best judgment of talent. So, but and then the and then the question is again, you could go receiver there, um, but they're pretty good at receiver. Granted, Julio Jones is old, but they got Calvin Ridley. It doesn't feel like receiver at four would make a lot of sense for them. And then again, maybe you go defensive player with Rousseau out of Miami, or maybe Micah Parsons from Penn State. But it just again, it does you kind of it you, you get one of those two players at, at four and you're kind of like, really? This is like what we had to settle with. It feels like you're settling. And as a fan base that has come off a terrible season with a top five draft pick, you never want to feel like you're settling for a player. And I'm a player that I think is going to slowly rise up boards more. Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, very good defensive lineman. Um, he's rose up boards kind of lately. Uh, I've been, I, I want to see him after the combine personally. But you're getting guy, a guy like that who is, I mean, he's a good player, but it's going to feel like the Raiders when they took Clinton Farrell a few years ago, if you remember that. And he's been pretty good. Yeah. But it's just like, I feel like it feels unsatisfying at that spot that this is right. the guy you're taking. I feel like you, if you get your quarterback or you, and you might need to look to trade down because like, I don't know what you can really do because I feel like the one position that they have really good players at is skill position. Julio Jones, obviously Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage isn't a bad player either. And yeah. I mean, Todd, Todd Gurley, I would say is not my ideal, like move forward running back, but he's not, you know and what you're going to get with. And there's no way you're drafting any running back at four. Oh, of course not. No, no. It, not no, only no. with this class, but also in general. You don't. I, I think that's. I think that's a every terrible team, decision to take a every running back. Every team has learned from Trent Richardson and the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> well, they traded up for him too, which makes it even worse. But no, wait, no. I'm I'm sorry. The the Colts traded a first to get him later on. I'm sorry, that was wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I, I mean, guys like Zeke have worked. But I, I just think you, you can't invest a running back that high to be your guy. Even look um, at Saquon Barkley. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, Saquon's talented, but, like, man, now you're kind of wondering, was it worth a number two overall pick? I'm not sure. And I love, I think Saquon's a really good player. But, I mean, also Leonard Fournette a few years ago um, when he was with yeah, Jacksonville. They had with, those good years. Yeah, he's already with Tampa Bay. Right. So it's, like, I don't think a running back high is ever worth it. The Falcons, I think the, I feel like we have a good idea. We know what Jacksonville's going to do. The Jets, I would say we have a pretty good idea, but they could do something. They could make it interesting. The Dolphins have a lot of leverage to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting because the, a team, like I think it's possible that we might see if the Falcons do want to go quarterback, they might trade up one pick just to make sure they get it and someone else doesn't jump them to number three. All right. So the final team that we're going to talk about to round out the top five, uh, our favorite team, 
uh, dear in our hearts, that also makes us pain in our hearts. The Cincinnati Bengals, where it's basically, I feel like, down to two players at this point, um, none of which might even be available at number five, but hopefully one of them will be. It's either the offensive tackle, Sewell, or the wide receiver, Jamar Chase, out of LSU. And I did a a few mock drafts that I put together, one with Sewell, one with Chase, and then one with Kyle Pitts after the Athletic had the Bengals select Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida, number five. And I learned some interesting things. One, He's just one people would rather still have Sewell over Chase, but out of the 20-plus votes I got, I didn't get a single vote for Kyle Pitts. And while Kyle Pitts might not be a stud, I actually did a little research. Oh, he's a stud. The last time a tight end was taken in the top five of the NFL draft, would you like to take a year, a guess on what year it was that a team selected Uh, number five or or higher? 1994. Now, this is from my very quick research that I have done, so I can't guarantee that this is 100% accurate. But I I did double-check myself. It was 1972. That's insane. So, and we have had a ton of great uh, great tight end talent, and the tight end position has reinvented itself, especially with the uh, invention of the spread offense, I feel like, and that taking over more and more of the style or the preference even in the NFL. But a team still has not gone with a tight end in the top five for almost 50 years. So That's I still wild. and as great of a prospect as Kyle Pitts might be with CJ Uzama and Drew Sample, I feel like two serviceable tight ends and hopefully an already good receiving core and in a receiving core that would be improved that the Bengals pick Jamar Chase at number five. I just don't feel a tight end would be very disappointing for the Bengals. Think so because it's I don't think it would be disappointing, at least for me. Because the player you're getting is Kyle Pitts. And yeah. tight end's not a flashy position, but if you have a guy like a Kyle Pitts, like Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, those are the elite talents at tight end. But those mm-hmm. guys change games every single week. If you have a guy like that, you have another wide receiver on the field. Because he has great speed. He's a big guy. He's, I mean, he caught three touchdowns against Kentucky, and you know, I'm going to dance on that for a second. But I think he's a great player. I just don't think that's the best route for the fifth pick. I think you start looking at defense, but, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot of what they could do. There's not, I mean, do you go corner? Do you go defensive lineman? Um, no. I mean, if you I do, don't think you, so. you trade down. I, I mean, the, obviously the biggest thing for Cincinnati is offensive line. If you're not yeah. getting Sewell, what do you do? I really like Jamar Chase as a pick. I think the way I'm looking at this is I think our offense is close. I'm saying our because I'm a fan, but I think the Bengals offense is closer to being legit and being really, really good than the de- compared to the defense. I think yeah. our de- the defense needs a lot more work and talent brought in to do to be like very, very good. I think you set your offense up to be strong and you could worry about the defense later. I think this is going to be a year where Cincinnati invests a lot in the defense again, like they did last year, and drafts offensive talent, mm-hmm. especially with their first two picks. Um, yeah. 
But if you can't get Sewell, I trade down. Right. And it's interesting to me because I also see an avenue where the Bengals could sign veteran offensive line talent and then draft Jamar Chase. But I do not see a scenario where the Bengals go out and sign a star veteran and then draft Sewell. If that makes sense, I just don't think the talent level at wide receiver free free agency is that high. So if they I mean, don't address, if the Bengals do not address offensive line free agency, they have to go Sewell. But if they do get some good players in free agency for the offensive line, and also you have to remember with Jim Turner, the offensive line coach being fired, maybe they bring in a coach that gets more out of those guys as well. It could be interesting to select Jamar Chase at number five because he also does have that connection with Joe Burrow. I, the way I'm looking at it, there's two players that really catch my eye personally um, that are going to become free agents. Actually, well, at wide receiver, I'm looking at a guy. What's a guy that's really going to impact Cincinnati? And for me, it's a guy like Curtis Samuel, who's a speed threat. You, he's a really good player. And I think he would fit the mold that, you know, Tyler Boyd's going to play slot. You're going to have T. Higgins on the outside. You've got Auden Tate, who's a great possession receiver. You throw a speed guy in there, and I think you potentially help Joe Burrow's deep ball. Right. Besides that, Taylor Moten, who's a tackle for the Panthers. And mm-hmm. I've been reading a little bit on the Panthers. They say that they're probably only going to be able to resign one of them. I say call whoever's not, whoever they don't. Right. Like whoever they don't resign, if they get both, then, you know, I think there's other options, especially at line. There's a few guards that I think are very intriguing in free agency. But with the drafts, um, I just, I do fear that the Bengals would be complacent and just select a lineman at that spot. And that'll be probably an overdraft. I've, I've seen Rashawn Slater at a Northwestern be mocked to them a few times. Um, and he's, he's a set out for the 2020 season. He's not played this year. His key moment is that he completely shut down Chase Young. In the, in the game and that everyone looked at him after that. Yeah. So, well, nonetheless, I think this draft sets itself up to be a more interesting draft than we've kind of seen here recently. I think you're going to see some flashy trades be made, some trades up, some trade downs. I hope. And, and ultimately as someone who will hope that hopes that, the NFL draft once again falls on a Thursday, so he can sit in a Buffalo Wild Wings parking lot waiting for his 60 BOGO boneless honey barbecue wings. You and, and maybe man. miss and maybe miss Joe Burrow getting selected. I hope that there's more interest in this NFL draft so I can eat my wings and watch some spicy stuff go down. Did you well. re- is does that really what happened to you last year? I didn't know that. Were you not with me? I thought you were with me during that. I was not. <laughs> I was home. I I watched the draft with my dad. Um, oh man. I, I I I went home by that point. Oh yeah, cuz I I mean, I guess that's fair because it was COVID. So, it was me, my girlfriend, my roommate and his girlfriend. So yeah, you. I guess you That's wouldn't hilarious. have been because it was the beginning. No. Yeah, no. I I went to get um, boneless wings from Buffalo Wild Wings, and I <laughs> thought I was a smart person, like <laughs> free wings, and like I thought I was the only person who was thinking of this idea. I was wrong. A lot of people are <laughs> as smart as I am, and I waited in the parking lot for almost an hour after. That's like crazy. The, the time it said that my wings would be ready to pick up. And That's I wild. literally, I I had the draft on my phone in the car as I'm speed racing to get back to my apartment. 
And that might not sound like a big deal to you guys, but my um, phone plan is stuck in 2013 and I only have four gigs of high-speed data. So to stream something like that takes up a lot of my data. So that was a big, big deal for me. That's so funny. <laughs> did you not connect? Why did you not connect to the Buffalo Wild Wings Wi-Fi? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, as we conclude here with our episode number one, uh, we would like to introduce something that hopefully helps to make you feel connected a little bit more to this podcast. Um, we're giving away free stuff. And what I've learned as a student who has completed his undergraduate and graduate degree in the past five and a half years is that when you can get something free um, with no strings attached, you get something free with no strings attached. I once sold my soul and my social security number for a popsicle during my freshman first week of freshman year on campus. I really you didn't absolutely give them. So mad line. I did I did not I did not give my social security number, but I did give them my phone number, which might as well. It felt like I gave them my social security number. But what we are going to do is hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. And if you've gotten to this far, I mean we must have done something right or you feel pity for us. And honestly, I will take your pity uh, listenership and I will take it to the bank. But we're going to have a keyword here and the keyword is wildcard. Wildcard as in wildcard weekend for the NFL playoffs. If you're following us on Twitter, if you DM our account at PB and spelled out A-N-D, jam underscore pod. If you DM that word to us, wildcard, We'll give you a free sticker. That's all you have to do. Just DM us the word wild card. That way you have a little piece of the podcast and we can give you something to thank you for making it through what has probably been. I, You know, I thought this would honestly go worse. I'm sure if we do this for an extended period of time, we'll we'll listen back on this episode and we'll be like, God, these guys were terrible. But I, I mean, like honestly, for- I was going to say we're probably going to be our worst critics. Um but, it, you know, whatever. I, I, I had a lot of fun with this, and I'm excited at the prospect of continuing to do this. So, th- yeah, this is fun. I'm very happy. So, without further ado, this last segment with the NBA will not take up a lot of time. Um, but we just we saw some interesting storylines um, that we wanted to bring to your attention. Because, believe it or not, they've already played about 8 to 10 games per team for the NBA season, which... It feels like the NBA season from last year never ended. So the first one um, in our who looks spicy and who looks uh, mild power rankings. We already mentioned this. The 76ers at seven and two with Doc Rivers. I mean, that's pretty spicy, especially after Doc Rivers blew a 3-1 lead with the Clippers in the playoffs to the Nuggets last year. And if you remember correctly, a lot of people were saying they should trade Ben Simmons to the Rockets for James Harden. And now all of a sudden, the 76ers are like, nah, I'm good. Smart decision. That's, I mean, I wouldn't have done that. No, absolutely not. I, I like the Sixers. Um, I'm a big Joel, Joel Embiid fan. Um, so to see them do well, I'm, I'm excited for it. I also have a, a group of friends that uh, I'm a big NBA 2K player. So I've met a lot of people through playing that online. And a lot of the, guy, the guys and girls I play with they are Sixers fans from that area, so it's good to see them do well. All right. We have spicy take number two. The Phoenix Suns continue their run that they started in the bubble with a 6-3 and three start. 
Um, that's CP3 trade uh, where they traded uh, for Chris Paul giving up uh, Abel Nader uh, and Abel Nader for Kelly Uber Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, uh, Jacqueline LeCure, and a 2022 first-round pick. All of a sudden, um, a trade that I kind of thought was interesting just because of the first-round draft pick aspect of it, the Suns look like they might make the playoffs for the first time in quite a while. They're good. That's a good – they're a really good basketball team. Devin Booker's finally got the point guard that he needs to kind of thrive. Um, I really like that team. Just like I, I pulled up the roster right now because I wanted to kind of look at it a little bit better. But they have everything you would need except like the breakout star player, so to speak. Like they don't have a guy like Luka. They don't have a you know Porzingis. They don't have a But Devin Booker's, Devin Booker's not a bad – He's a really good player. He's a really good player. Um, he's going to get you 20 a night, and that, you know, you don't have to worry about him. He's going to shoot the ball. He's going to shoot it a lot, but he's going to make a good percentage of his shots. He's, I, I really like Devin Booker as a player. All right, and I'll go ahead and I'll let you do the third spicy take since you were the one to come up with it. Oh, of course. Uh, we've got, you know, we can't forget to talk about the Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the New York Knicks. Um, they're actually above 500 in January. How crazy what? is that? What? Can you, can you repeat you that one more time? I don't think the I... New York, uh, the Kentucky, I'm sorry, the New York Knicks are above 500 in January. What? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I mean... It looks like their 18 power forward strategy might pay off for them. <laughs> I mean, I, they signed every Kentucky player they could, too, which, I mean, I'm making how, a joke at that because. How many do they have, though? They have Julius Randle. They have four. Kevin Knox. Four. They have Knox. They have Nerlens Noel. They have Emmanuel Quickly and Julius Randle. Okay, I would have got quickly. I wouldn't. I did not know Nerlens Noel. Or I actually as, didn't uh, either until just now. Nerlens Noel from uh, Kentucky. <laughs> I did not know that. I honestly forgot he is an NBA player. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but that's what happens when you lose in the first round of the NIT to Robert Morris. Anyway, yeah. we will move on here to our final one. And I was going to follow off the joke. Um, made, but I'm not going to be that mean. The Toronto Raptors are one in six. Yeah, that is, that's a I'm shock. Sorry. I actually didn't know that until you wrote it down. Um, I'm like, not I didn't know it either. Until I was looking for like just records, and I looked at Toronto. I was like, wait a minute, what? One in six? I mean, to me, that shows that Kawhi is a really good player, and Mark Gasol was more important to that team than maybe they would have thought. Um, yeah. The, the interesting thing, though, that from like kind of looking up storylines and reading a little bit is Pascal Siakam has not been, he's been good, but I keep seeing like there's something off. Either there's something off or he's just not the same player that we saw on their title run a few years ago. I don't know what the it only, is. It's very weird. He's actually fouled out of two of their games and had five fouls in two other ones. Yeah, after seeing that record, I'm going to now take a closer look at the Raptors because, I mean, a team that is not even two years removed from winning an NBA title is 1-6. and six. And granted, it's very early in the season. Right. They Thanks probably be able to change it around. But that's a rough start. <laughs> yeah, I'm, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about that. that. 
they're really struggling. Um, they actually won tonight. Um, at the time we're recording this, they beat the Kings, so they're two and six. Um, they beat them by it looks like twenty one. Uh, so yeah, so I mean that's not a bad win, but I'm I'm just looking at this roster. It's like in terms of stats, it looks a little top heavy. It's very weird. Fran Van Vliet's very good. Um, Kyle Lowry, I think, is starting. He's still a good player, but I think he's slowing down a little bit overall. I could be wrong about that, but it's just kind of how it seems. He's still, I mean, he's averaging 19.7 assists a game with five boards, which is pretty good for a point guard. Excuse me. But um, yeah, I, I don't really know about this team. It's very weird. I did not expect them to be playing this poorly so far. Yeah, definitely caught me off guard when I looked at it. So it'll be interesting to maybe in a week's time, a couple weeks' time, to come back to the Raptors and see yeah. how they're doing. So, all right. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you listening to us so much. Um, it really means a lot to us as we try to get this off the ground. I'm going to turn it over to Jerry for any final thoughts that he might have going into the weekend. For me, it's just going to be, you know, I, I actually started my first job this week, um, full-time job, which has been interesting. So I'm going to get my first weekend off. I'm going to watch a lot of football. Um, I hope you all do too. Wild, I've been excited for the wild card weekend, even if my team's not in it for a while. And Monday, let's not forget the national championship game, Alabama, Ohio State's going to be a thriller. Yeah, uh, I totally forgot about the national championship game, but oh. it'll be that'll be something that we will be able to hopefully dissect on the next show potentially. Oh, I also want to throw this out there tonight. I mean, we're recording this on the, the late on the eighth. Um, the mellow ball and Lonzo ball had their first meeting as NBA players of uh, the Hornets and Pelicans played today. Lamelo ball was an assist away from a triple double tonight. How crazy is that? And of course he's on our dear and wonderful friend, Alex's team. Is he really? <laughs> He is because I was looking at getting Lamelo Ball late. Not gonna lie. Oh, in fantasy. Oh, in fantasy. I thought yep. about it, dude. I love my fantasy. I mean, this is unrelated. I, I expect you to cut this, but uh, I, <laughs> I love my fantasy team. I'm so mad John Morant got hurt though. I'm just. I have oh yeah, totally. Because you have literally like 15 <laughs> more. You have 15 more games than me. Well, what you should switch out your. You can switch out your games. I no, but it's not changed. I can't help that. Well, you got to save it. You got to get better there. Listen, dude. I got I I the top of my team is really really good. I can't help that I get guys like Hassan Whiteside who scores zero points in a one hundred forty four to one twenty three game. That is not on me. Well, moving on. My final thoughts for this week. Um, I'll echo Jerry. I can't wait to watch a lot of football. I especially can't wait for the game on Nickelodeon where we get to see the losers slimed on the field for the first time in NFL history. Um, that'll regularly bring us back to our <laughs> nostalgic childhood days. Um, but again... Did you ever get slimed? Did I ever get slimed? You, no. Yeah, like, did you no. ever go to a Nickelodeon anything and get slimed? I got slimed once. Oh, I thought you were saying like someone like me. I don't know. Like, I feel like if I was in the mood to, I'd get slimed. But like... Let me just say this: like someone couldn't randomly like come up to me and slime me, but like I would agree to like go into something or like maybe like a trivia show or like a game show where if like you lose or something you get slimed. Like I'd sign up for that, but if like you come out in the middle of nowhere 
or like you're in my <laughs> apartment or something and you slime me, you will pay the price for that. I'll remember that the next time I'm mobile, I'm going to slime you. Oh, boy. Oh, and no. you'll not remember this. It's recorded, well, but you won't remember it. Well, see, see what we've already started one podcast in, and I already have to fear that I'm going to get slimed. Once again, we appreciate you listening to us so much. It's really meant a lot to us. I'm Paul Barvincheck, signing off yep. with my partner, Jerry McCarty. We'll see you all on the next episode. Have a good one. Yeah, y'all have a good one.